Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this here podcast. I am super pumped to be out with me today on the show because I've got my good friend Nick Lamparelli, the man, the myth, the legend, coming to hang out with us in the program. I've known this guy and followed his career for a long time, but really just met him in person for the first time couple of weeks back, maybe a month or so back, and just hit it off. And he's got a lot to share and a lot to, to bring you up to speed on and just some cool things to talk to you about today. So I can't wait for you to hear that. Before I do, I've got to talk to you about my good friends over at Smart Choice. Uh, they These guys are just unbelievable. The fastest growing agency network, hands down. And that is because... They do it for you, and they want to help you to be successful as quickly as possible. I'm telling you guys, smartchoiceagents.com. you got to go check it out. They help you by raising your commissions, lowering your premium and volume commitments, and helping you get bonuses quicker. It's pretty awesome. Pretty self-explanatory. you got to check it out. Also, my good friends over at Canopy Connect. Uh, love these guys. Uh, they are doing some big time things. Go to usecanopy.com backslash Heath and check out a demo and uh, get a discount because, again, these guys are absolutely killing it. Um, they help you to get deck pages that you need to quote your prospects. They also help you get loss runs, driver's list. They help you get stuff together with uh, your referral partners. So you can have them a link that they can send to their clients. Oh my gosh, there's so many things that they do that you need to get involved in. Go to usecanopy.com backslash Heath. And guys, I uh, I got to get out of the way. Uh, I could keep going about all of my sponsors because I love them all. But uh, I got to get into this conversation here with my main man, Nick Lamparelli. Nick Lamparelli, what's happening, brother? recording in progress heath i've been yes. waiting for this yeah i could not wait dude i i uh, me as well uh, i have you know known of you and followed your career for a long time now through our, our mutual buddy and in, in brett fulmer and he just always speaks so highly of you and so i'm gonna try to figure out why uh, i'm just kidding um <laughs> but uh anyhow i'm so... gonna tr- i'm gonna try to figure out why <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome um so you're in Florida now, right? Yes. yes. Um, how long have you been there now? Is it is this a new thing for you? Three and a half years. Yeah, you like it? Um, there are things that I like. It's yeah. um, it's it's get we're getting to the season where I can now brag because it's you know in the yeah. mornings it's seventy <laughs> degrees yeah. in the morning you know and the <laughs> evenings are nice and cool and. Uh, I'm staring at a pool and I theoretically could just like whip off my shirt right now and just go jump in. It's nice. You know, so that's, that's a real benefit, but holy crap, like the, the summers, uh, you cannot Brutal. get prepared to the heat and the humidity. People talk about it, but like, listen, the humidity is so bad. Things outside turn green from the mold. Like it's just moist yeah uh, i totally you're get just it. yeah and, and i know people hate that word but you're just moist all the time like, all the time you're inside in air conditioning and i'm like i'm sweaty yeah it's gross it's i completely gross. agree i've spent uh actually three separate trips this for the that's the most i've ever done in one summer but three or four separate trips to florida this summer and every time i'm like oh this is miserable humidity i thought arkansas had bad humidity <laughs> But I went to Key West, I went to Naples, and then the best is being up there in like Redneck Riviera, up in Destin and you know, Panama yeah, City. Yeah. That's that's not near as bad. But no, down there south it's basically it's basically South Georgia, right? So it's a different it's a different state. But down there in South Florida, my goodness, like I literally I'd walk outside from one building to another or to my car and I'd be drenched. So it sucks. But I will say, good or bad. You have a front row seat to the shit show that is insurance in Florida uh, by yeah, living there. Um, sure and you, you see all the carriers pulling out and you see, you know, the moratoriums and you see the, the 
the storms. You see all of the just what I call the circus of Florida insurance industry. And so I feel mean, it. But, I, I have lunch with agents and brokers here. So I hear the pain points that they're going through. Um, I'll have many of them will reach out to me. A lot of them will reach out to me like, Nick, Nick, we got to find a solution for this. Like, I yeah. can't keep going like this. What are we going to do? And I'm like, what do you mean? What are we going to do? And then I get yanked into it. Yeah, totally get it. Okay, so people are listening right now are loving this conversation already, but they're like, who's this Nick Leferelli guy? People that don't know, they've been living under a rock. Why don't you take us a walk down memory lane? And why don't you let us, you know, let us know who's who's Nick Leferelli and, and how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah, so um, listen, you haven't been living under a rock if you don't know who I am. Um, I'm probably more well-known in other circles. I do have a lot of agents and brokers who I'm friends with. Um, the Ryan, Ryan Hanley, like, you know, those folks who, you know, I've gotten pretty close with over time. And I, uh, most of those have like a technology bent. So Bradley flowers, you know, those guys who are technology oriented. So our Venn diagram of insure tech has neatly crossed and we know each other and we talk to one another, <laughs> right, um, right, right. but I cut my teeth in the agency world. So listen, I quit medical school. I was in an MD PhD program. My my degree was in uh, biology and I had like basically a minor in chemistry. So I wanted to, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew it was going to be something health oriented. And when I got into an MD PhD program and when I got in, I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, it was great to study in college. I loved it. You know, I'm numbers oriented. I love science. It just everything, all the pieces fit together. But it's like, I can't go to school for another eight years. I can't, I can't do it. And yeah. right around that time, a friend of mine from high school was taking over his dad's insurance agency in the small city I grew up in. And he said, he said the key words, Heath, he said, uh, you should join because everyone needs to buy insurance and you'll get rich. I think I only heard that last word. Yeah. Like I just heard that. And I was like, right, yes. right, 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 right. I, I need, I need to be able to do that. So, so I did. Um, little did I know that, uh, that's not how any of this works at right. all. Um, but there was enough there. Like this was like during the dot com boom. So this was like, um, you know, I'm, I was uh, becoming an amateur investor. I was reading books about Warren Buffett and economics and making like, you know, my hundred dollar bet on yeah. Yahoo and some biotech companies. And I was like, this is, this is my game here. This is my bag. This is what I want to do. So that scratched enough of an itch where, you know, I'm talking to people about their homes and fires and, and it was close enough, right? Like, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing, Heath. It it was close enough, but not close enough. So while I was doing that, I always had a mind that I was going to get into like the finance world. I was yeah. going to make the switch over. So I was preparing myself for that. So I'm working my way up the ladder, and I'm doing you know local mom and pop auto and homeowners. Then I'm doing you know small commercial. Then I'm doing middle market. I'm now all of a sudden I'm a broker at Aon. I'm doing middle market. I'm occasionally engaging with the large property folks. I'm starting to see how some of this stuff is completely unfolding. I'm getting exposed to a different world. And um, but I'm still mentally, I'm still thinking I'm going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work at a hedge fund someday. Like I'm gonna make that transition, but I could not quite make that smooth transition over. They didn't want me. Right. Like, what what are we going to do with a property casualty guy? They didn't want me. So um, the lucky break that I had, Heath, was um, one day someone described catastrophe models to me and I looked them up and there was I lived in the Boston area and the second largest catastrophe modeling firm happened to be based in Boston. And when I looked them up. There was a career section and they were hiring and they needed someone to come in who had insurance experience. And that was like the light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, 
I'm going to give it a shot. I sent my resume in. They called me the next day. I'm sitting there in their office and I'm looking at all of their collateral and it's all like the coolest stuff in the world. Like I'm back to college, back to the future with like earthquakes and hurricanes and the science behind it. And it was like, I, I found, I found my home, you know, I, I, I made it, I, I made it to the mothership kind of thing. And, um, and that's what I did. I can't say love at first sight. That does, that's weird. Right. But it was like, I, it was, it, I call, I used to tell people like, it is like working at the discovery channel every day. Like I was learning something new every day, just eating it up like a vacuum, uh, just sucking it all in. And, um, and it, and as I was going through Heath, like it was clear, like to me, like I, I found, like, I don't have to go into finance because all of a sudden I'm getting my clients on the consulting side were reinsurance brokers. So I am day to day dealing with Guy Carpenter, Aon, then Aon Benfield, Willis, like these were the largest clients for these firms. And these firms beat the crap out of these models. These firms all hired scientists. They were looking for every which way to figure out how do these models work? How do we take advantage of it? How do we arbitrage the information? How do we help our carrier clients seed risk through the ecosystem to reinsurers in the most efficient way possible? Because that's how they get paid. They are brokers. And that's their job is to find the neatest, smoothest way for them to get reinsurance access. Yeah. There's a lot of really bad decisions being made that are centered around tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars of transactions that are occurring. And they're making poor, inefficient, uh, in, on, uh, um, suboptimal decisions around that, I can do better. And so I, was, I went to, um, after that, I was um, senior modeler at Marsh and their analytics group. Then I was a senior senior modeler at QBE, um, handling global um, their global reinsurance. But during that course, I got exposed to Hurricane Sandy in New York. I was watching how flood was being done, and I was like, "This is my opportunity." No one knows how to underwrite flood. None of my peers know how to model flood. I have a clear window here where I'm the smartest guy in the room. I think. I kept trying to disprove myself, Heath, but I had that. So six years ago, I co-founded an MGA to take advantage and capitalize on the opportunity that I saw around flood insurance. We did that. Um, I am still associated with that firm, but I have exited from day-to-day -day operations of that. And now my new role is I'm a managing partner of insurance nerds, which I think a lot of your audience might be familiar with. Yeah. There's so much to unpack there that I wanted to get into it. I was taking some notes there uh, and I'll guess I'll go back first and then we'll get to where I want to really camp out for a little bit, but you know, just to let the audience know, cause there are some people, a lot of people in my audience that know insurance nerds because I've had Brett on and I've also had Tony Kanyas on and, you know, we've talked about it, but just, you know, uh, one minute, 30 seconds kind of sales pitch, whatever, so to speak, or whatever of what is insurance nerds. Like, I didn't know y'all published books, but y'all have, yeah. you know, y'all have helped people publish yeah. their own books. Y'all also do uh, podcasting. Y'all do lots of different things. It's not just like a cool kids club. It's like a, or a nerd kids club, so to speak. It is something bigger than that. So what is insurance nerds really quickly? Yeah. So, um, you know, Heath, a lot of folks who have reached out to me are like, oh, is insurance nerds a nonprofit? We're just so underassuming in the marketplace, but it's actually a business. We actually have a business model. Um, it's just been underwhelming. Um, but we have, it is predominantly a content oriented site, right? So it started off with Tony and Carly creating the blog. That's what attracted me was just like, wow, these two young kids really know how to write in, in an yeah. engaging, entertaining way, I would like to participate with this. So I joined in 2017, I think, and mm -hmm. I told them, I will only join if you let me create a podcast. They were ecstatic because it was like, yes, we've wanted to do a podcast. So Tony's Profile and Risk podcast 
was originally the one that I created. I think I did the first 150 episodes. Now it's up to 464, I think. Um, but over that time period, um, we have published books. So, and we have a podcasting business now as well. So we have these like disparate businesses that have been kind of separated out. And my goal working with Tony is to create a united front around the business model and so we're transitioning the site from content blog oriented to a community based site. So it'll be yeah, much more that. community oriented and focused where there'll be channels and those channels will be run by community managers about, and they will be subject matter experts about that particular community. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and, you know, I just, like I said, the more I learn about it, as I've gotten to know the three of you, um, it just really blow my mind of what all you guys do. You know, one of the things I wanted to get back to is again, it's a lot to unpack, but I was with you in Florida. We had the privilege of speaking at the PA of Florida event um, and got to meet and get to know a wonderful man, Chris Franklin, and got to know a lot of great people there. And one of the things I got to sit through your session and you got to sit through my session, which is very rare for me. I don't get to sit through other speaker sessions. So yeah. I really, really enjoyed your session, and you've already kind of alluded to some of this, but uh, you had, you know, talking about this idea of trusted advisors. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it began, at, you know, when when I discovered natural catastrophes. Um, I got, I was able, so I was dealing with reinsurance brokers, but I also had brokers were my um, clients as well. So, you know, the type of broker that's going to license a catastrophe model, it's going to be Marsh or Aon. You know, these are these are seven-figure licensing fees. So they were really big. But I got to engage with, like, Marsh risk consultants. And I was watching how they operate. And for one thing, so this is Marsh. And this is an anal data and analytics group. And their engineers were grilling me, right? Like, I'm in New York City with them, and we're tr we're training each other. And they're just we were so hungry for information, right? So, you know, they'll have like uh, you know, the Walmart account, right? And, you know, their job is to communicate these risks to Walmart, to the risk manager that's at Walmart and in a very at a very high level. And what crossed my mind were two things, Heath. One was, wow, I'm actually very valuable to them. They're grilling me. They're asking me a ton of questions because they don't know the answer. They here are sophisticated engineers at Marsh Risk Consulting, and they need my guidance on explaining a one in a hundred year loss. I can't even tell you, Heath, like how enlightening that is, because if a Marsh Risk Consultant engineer is struggling in how they're how you compute and how you communicate a one in a hundred year loss, average average broker or agent can't do it. It like like. It, it, it yeah. it's apples and oranges like it, there's a disconnect there and yeah, it's not it, that it's yeah. it's not that it's rocket science it's um the statistical concepts are just are just difficult to yeah. to line up even i have to like think through like what is a hundred year one one in a hundred year event mean so that was one part and then another part as as i got into my mga space I saw how agents and brokers were operating with flood and how it was like, listen, it was just, it was extremely disappointing. It was very disappointing to watch brokers and agents sell flood insurance. Um, I couldn't even, I can't even tell you how many times a broker would tell us, you know, um, I asked them, they're not in a flood zone. So I asked them if they want it and they said they didn't want it. So I have them sign the affidavit and that was that I'm just like, no, 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 absolutely not. Like, are you a producer or are you a producer? Like, like, don't, don't tell me you're a trusted advisor and don't tell me that like you're this hefty salesperson if that's your route to sell flood because every property has flood risk. It's a question of degree. And that, that does not, I am not indicating that you can sell flood insurance to everybody. I am not saying that at all. But there is a giant swath of the country that is exposed to significant levels of flood, Heath, and they are not in a flood zone. And if you let them walk out that agency 
with signing an affidavit saying, well, you know, I'm on a hill or uh, I've lived in this house for 50 years and it has never flooded. If you're going to let them walk out, then you're not the salesperson you think you are and you're definitely not a trusted advisor. So that was the impetus for that conversation was like, I think I can bring a degree of translation value to the agency and the brokerage community um, to help them, to help them yeah. retain, especially in this hard market, to help them retain business, right? Like if you're a broker, if you're an agent and you're listening to this and you're in Florida, I'll just, I'll use Florida, but you can, this can be California, this can be anywhere. And you have, you're placing business in citizens of Florida. How can you pat yourself on the back and claim you're a trusted advisor unless you are communicating to your customer in this very high level around yeah. what their what their risks actually are? If your only choice is citizens, then your only choice is citizens. But anyone can put a property in citizens. Anyone can put a property in the California Fair Plan. Anyone can put a property in the fair plan of Massachusetts. That is not a challenge, and you can't pat yourself on the back for that. You better be bringing something else to the table. And that's the conversation I want to have with agents and brokers. It's like, yes, bring that conversation to the table. Uh, reacquire trusted advisor status. You know how to do this. I'm I'm on insurance soup. I go on Facebook. I want you you guys know how to do this with auto and with fire. And you, you guys are very skilled at risk management and giving advice to your client, just not on natural catastrophes. You guys are really bad at it. Well, so you could take that even further. Yes, natural catastrophes, you're right. As a former agency owner and a former broker and a former you know producer, account manager, I wore a lot of hats. I, I would admit I was very much you know in the dark, so to speak, of mm -hmm. natural catastrophes myself. But I think you could take that further even with cyber. Or even with yes. things, yeah. you know, other coverages, like, I don't know how many times I missed the opportunities. I missed the boat because I wasn't an advisor, so to speak, on things as little as or as simple as uh, water sewer, you know, sewer backup, uh, the water line coverage. Um, you could talk about uh, equipment breakdown, cyber liability. You could bring up EPLI on commercial lines. You could bring up, you know, uh, all kinds of coverages that people – don't necessarily push because they're trying to get the cheapest price. Let's get the auto liability. Let's get the property. Let's get the basic coverages out the door so we can compete with Geico instead of let me add value of why you're paying no, completely, more. Completely, completely. And, and listen, it, I watch brokers and agents have these conversations. So yeah. I was, I was consulting for a startup firm that was um, going to get heavy in parametric coverage. P parametric coverage is something that is completely foreign to agents and brokers. I mean, it's some, some in your audience are going to be like, oh yeah, I know what that is. I will tell you, I've spoken to so many agents and brokers and, and, and we had, they had agents and brokers on staff and I had to educate them on how to sell parametric. A parametric product is not an indemnity product. There's no loss that's associated with it. It's an economic recovery. It is the wind speed hits a certain mile per hour at some certain spot, you get a payout. The flood depth gets to a certain height, you get a payout. Um, I watched as brokers began to try to sell parametric and quickly, <laughs> quickly pulled it back because they they were just like, I'm when I talked to them afterwards, it's like I did not want to jeopardize that transaction by introducing parametric. So they didn't, but it's like in Florida with a five or 10% deductible, you absolutely have to introduce parametric. They, they have, they have not gotten there. And so they're stuck in this cycle of like the renewal comes up, just shotgun it, market it to everything. And you know, the customer is likely to buy the cheapest price. And it's like that, that is not how you advise that is not, that's not what a trusted advisor does. I, I completely agree. And so, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I talk about a lot when I, when I'm consulting with, with producers and I'm talking to people in is added value and, and bringing that value to the table and understanding that we're not here to sell a price. And I've said it before a hundred times on my show. So hang on a minute audience, but, um, 
you know, if you've been selling on price for the last 15 years in price alone, you're in a lot of trouble right now. And so right now we've got to figure out a way to under, help our clients understand why they come to us, why they're paying a little bit more, because they're going to pay more regardless you know, because the rates are going up. But if you can show them, here's why you're paying more. I've added these coverages. I put this in place. I'm looking out for your best interest here, here, and here. And whether it's natural catastrophe related or it's cyber related or it's any other coverages or added value somewhere else within the playing field of insurance, I think you've got to bring that value to the table or you're just another commodity. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at a mid-roll ad. I want to talk to you about my good friends over at Manscaped. Manscaped is precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And it is starting to get cold outside finally. In Arkansas, it has finally dropped below 100. But that doesn't mean you get to just let everything go. You still need to maintain uh, your beard. You still need to maintain um, your hair. And, and make sure you're looking good. Because uh, no one wants to to look at you with unruly facial hair and and just nasty, wiry hairs coming out of your nose and your ears and your eyebrows. You've still got to maintain. So go to manscaped.com. And when you go to check out, you can check out all their products, first of all. They've got products for your face, for your nose, for your ear. They got, you know, stuff for your nether regions, for your your chest and your back hairs. They've even got deodorants and colognes and all kinds of things. You've got to check it out. When you do, go down to checkout and type in the code MAYOR and you'll get 20% off plus free shipping. You got to check that out. Also, make sure you go to uh, my good friends over at Old School Marketing. Old School Marketing is exactly what it is. They take an old school approach to marketing with direct mailers and do it in a new school way. And they found a way to do it that works. And uh, it is highly successful. And the agents that have signed up, the agency owners have signed up for Old School Marketing. And then they've called me and been like, oh, my God, Heath, where have these people been my whole life? And it's just been a game changer for their agency. And so you've got to go to oldschoolmarketing.com, O-L-D-E, School Marketing, and check them out or go check them out on Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, you are going to be so happy that you did. Now let's get back to the show. I, I I could not say it better. You it's everything you just described. If the bro if you have if agents or brokers that are listening to this have had um have been successful selling on price or you know, hey, let me quote your policy. I yeah. can I might be able to save you some money. Um, or like I have the most markets kind of situation where they they might actually have been able to get a you know negotiate a better price but those markets have like completely collapsed down you are now you are now a commodity you are now extremely vulnerable to get poached by a broker or by an agent that is literally having conversations and talking about it and this is what i went through in my presentation can you describe the type of wind speed that's going to occur um at a property Right. So if you have, uh, let's take my home in Naples, uh, I, I'll tell you there's 0% probability there. I'd have zero confidence that my broker would be able to tell me any information about the severity of the peril that I would be dealing with. If I asked, um, what is the probability of a flood reaching my property? He, he would not be able to tell me what. If he could tell me the probability, and I would say, okay, well, what's the depth of that flood? He would not be able to tell me. Like, and to me, that those that's brass tacks. To me, if you are in an agent or a broker dealing with clientele in Florida, in California, in Louisiana, in Long Island, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, Delmarva Peninsula, uh, uh, Kiowa Island, South Carolina, and you cannot communicate that, you're a commodity. Because you will be very vulnerable. Just think about the situation. Who has the advantage? An agent that says, I have access to all to, to most of the major markets and I can get you the best deal. Or an agent that says, I also have access to all of those same markets and I can slide a report over 
to you that yep. tells you that your home has going to have a one in a hundred year probability of a of fifty percent damage because the wind speed is going to be one hundred and forty miles an hour. Oh, by the way, your that same storm is probably going to put four feet of water in your property, and you're going to be out of that home for eight months minimally. Or think of it like a business owner. Your business is going to be shut down for eight months, right? Like that yeah. is insight that the property owner doesn't have. And, 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 you know, I did have a light bulb moment speaking to, you know, an executive of an insurance company who's, who, when we discussed this particular topic said, you know, I asked my broker for this and, and, and he, this was a top 10 broker. I asked my broker for this and they gave me a CoreLogic report that said I was exposed to severe wind and severe flood. And he's like, that wasn't helpful because like I knew that already. It was a coastal That's property. Like I, Captain <laughs> Obvious. Yeah. It, it, like I knew that already. It's like how severe, how bad. And that and and you in my presentation, Heath, I had um, you know, I tried to be amusing about it, but I had a person walking over hurdles. That's how low the bar is. Like if I were doing this, I would go all the way to like what Marsh Risk Consulting was doing, which was they were creating probabilities of loss for Walmart and some of their really big accounts. I don't think an agent needs to do that. Using a hazard hub or a better view, like really off the shelf type of products, they can answer the question, you have exposure to flood, here's your exposure to flood. Here's the probability, right. here's yep. the depth, Here's the type of storm that would cause that. That's all you need to do. The bar is that low. Um, that that that's all they need to do. Well, that's you know you bring up a good point of a lot of people listening right now. If you're still with me, uh, I'm just kidding. No, but those that are listening right now and you're hearing us geek out on this stuff, you don't have to know it backwards and forwards. If you could just memorize some key points, you know, just understand at a high level. Like you said, the bar is low. I think you're going to you set yourself. Source it, Heath. You yeah. can outsource it. You can outsource it to someone like me. So, right? so th that's yeah. there. They, my, my recommendation to agents and brokers is like, listen, if you're an agent in Florida, let's say in the Naples area, no, you know, let's say the Miami area, yeah. more, you're more likely to have agents that are there. Like you should be able to talk confidently about historical events that occurred in Miami and how devastating they were. So the 1926 Great Miami Hurricane, which if that event were to occur today, I don't know if there would be an insurance market in Florida because we're talking Hurricane Ian last year was about a $50 billion event. If you look at the projections of 1926 Hurricane and if it were to occur today, it's possible insurable losses could hit $150 billion. I don't doubt like it. just absolutely yeah. devastating to the insurance market in the state so, of Florida. You should be able to speak intelligently about that you, event and what would happen if that event occurred today. You're hundred percent correct. And even, okay. I would even say, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong on this. So I live in little rock, so I don't have coastal. So people there listening, it's like, I don't live coastal. I'm not paying attention anymore. Well, listen, to, listen up again. Cause again, I live in little rock. We just had in March, our largest tornado we've had hit Little Rock in I don't know how long. You may or may not have heard about it in Florida, but it was massive. And there's still blue tarps everywhere in the state of yep. Arkansas in Little Rock. So massive. So this is a great opportunity for agents and brokers to become that trusted advisor. Say, guys, because that's people are going to remember that for years. So, you know, next year when you're coming to those renewals, but hey, guys, you we thought this would never happen to you. This We thought this never happened to us. We just had a massive tornado rip through. Here's some things I've been thinking about as regards to your home that we need to put into place. Here's some, you know, we need to raise this or we need to, you know, raise these liability levels. We need to lower the reductible on this. We need to do this. We need to think about these things because of this storm. And it can actually happen to you. And I think if you can come at it from that angle instead of, you know, the price angle or whatever it might be, I think you're going to set yourself apart from the guy down the street. Can, can, you, can you imagine an agent in the Arkansas area? that um, is on Facebook, is on TikTok, has a blog, maybe even has a podcast, right? 
And what are they talking about? They're not talking about how to get the cheapest price of insurance. Maybe they have an article or two on that. Like, here's how you should be thinking about shopping for yeah. insurance. But can you imagine that agent and their Facebook articles and their blog articles are Little Rock. Tornado yeah. in Little Rock is not the yeah. Arkansas is in Tornado Alley. 100%. It, it absolutely. It absolutely should have been on the radar and it should be something that agents should have been talking about. Right. Um, you know what else is little rock is exposed to that. Um, Tell maybe me. a lot of folks don't realize little rock is in the new Madrid earthquake zone. If a new Madrid earthquake occurred today, yes. like the ones that occurred in the uh, 1811 or 1812, something like that, you know, those were the largest earthquakes to occur in the contiguous 48 states, larger than any earthquake that occurred in yeah. California. It was like 8.5 on the Richter scale. Do you know the devastation that would occur in Little Rock? Imagine if you were an agent and you're talking about that. Is that going to get your clientele to buy earthquake insurance? Probably not. Maybe not. You know what it's it going it's going to make you look like a trusted advisor. It's going to make you look like you know what the hell you're talking about. You're exactly around right. Risks around their property. So now think of that, those tornadoes that just occurred in those blue roofs. Think about the difference between the average agent and the agent that was blogging about tornadoes and hail and severe storm and flood. I mean, doesn't, doesn't um, the Mississippi River flow right by little rock arkansas sure does um so flooding like this is all on the table it's low-hanging fruit and you know what if you do it the right way you can make it very interesting because people actually like this is this it's like discovery channel if you don't think this stuff is interesting then how is discovery channel in national geographic like how are they still in business people are actually you can you can actually write about this. You can actually talk about this in such a uh, interesting and engaging way that your clientele will want to listen to it. You, your prospects will want to listen to it. And they'll be like, I want that guy as my broker or yeah, that woman as my broker. And so I'm sitting in, you know, I went through a couple of different speaker sessions while I was in Florida and I don't get to do that very often. So I was pumped. I got to do it. Um, now I sat through one with a gentleman who did a whole thing on cyber. Now that uh, I don't want to go through this, but I did it because, you know, I'm there. I might as well learn something. And it was fascinating him going through scenarios and how this could actually hit your business and how it could do this. And I'm sitting here thinking as a small business owner, wow, I never thought until I heard that guy's session, this could never happen to me. But he was like, no, they're targeting small businesses now and people that are hacking into business and doing this cyber you know, crime. They're targeting small business, not just Target, not just Walmart, but small business. I'm like, oh, smack. I got to look at this for my own good. Oh, Heath, you have no idea. For those that are listening, right, like how important cyber is, like you can – if you're selling BOPs and CPPs, you know, you're selling uh, – yeah, you're, yeah, in, yeah. you're in the commercial side of this stuff. You cannot call yourself a trusted advisor unless you understand the cyber ramifications. So you you need to understand the AI ramifications of your clients. How can you possibly uh, translate complex policy language in a way that they feel as though that their business is covered if you don't understand cyber? It is a, it is a, a huge risk to them and growing. I don't know if... Keith, you know this or your audience, but quantum computing is making massive inroads. And I don't think people understand all of this encryption technology that we rely upon today basically becomes meaningless once quantum computers come through. It, it would take a digital, a normal digital computer a million years to break some of these complex encryption code coding systems. It could take a quantum computer hours to get this out. So absolutely. This is like what I'm trying to communicate to agents and brokers is like, you need to step up your game and depending on the niche that you're in, you know, personal lines, commercial lines, it's a low bar for you to get trusted advisor status, but you need to be communicating. And I think the 
I still think insurance is very much a relationship business, but the relationship has changed and you need to meet your clients where they are and they are in the digital realm. You need to meet them there. That's where they want to consume information. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to talk on the phone about how to save 15% on car insurance. They don't want to do that. They want you to have the answers all prepared for them ahead of time. Oh yeah. They want them to feel like you read their mind. They're like, oh, how do you know I was worried about that? Because you have your finger on the pulse, you know what all of your clients are thinking about and wondering about. And I couldn't agree with you more on that. And there's so much, again, that we could rabbit trail on and talk about and get into for another 30 minutes. But I looked up like, holy smokes, it's almost, you know, been 45 minutes. So, you know, as we continue talking through this, the other part of it that I think, you know, could be applicable, is that the right word? Applicable to my audience here. Um, would be, okay, so again, going back to my blending our conversations from Florida uh, or our talks, that added value uh, of bringing in, you know, let's say, you know, maybe you're you're not with us on the flood and the, the natural disasters and maybe you're not with us on some of that and the coverage and stuff. But let's talk now about adding value from the standpoint of, you know, risk management in the sense of how to prevent these things and what you can bring into play like, you know, uh, safety trainings, you know, uh, OSHA trainings, you could bring in, you know, to talk to people about, okay, why do you need 2 million in workers comp or 1 million workers comp instead of 500,000 because this, and here's how we can prevent you from having certain claims or, you know, why do you need this coverage? You know, here's why you need it. And then here's what I've developed, you know, something low hanging fruit, as you like to say, and I love that is a, um, a uh, training manual, uh, an onboarding manual, a uh, a handbook. Let's call it an employee handbook. That's something you could implement tomorrow. Maybe they haven't updated theirs in 20 years. You come in and say, hey, with you know the Lamparelli agency, you know, we're willing to come in and help you write your employee handbook mm-hmm. to put in policies to prevent certain claims. Completely low hanging low hanging fruit that you could do low right now fruit. to be a yeah. better trusted advisor. Yep. Um you know, you, you nailed it. Workers comp, fire. Um, you probably have folks in your audience that are doing, you know, uh, life accident and health. There's a lot of advice yeah. that you can give on that end as well. And and so that's my big push is like, if you know, you want it, listen, if you're not a trusted advisor, you're a commodity. So if yeah. you're a commodity, you're, your business is vulnerable. You want to be a trusted advisor. Listen to Heath and myself in this particular conversation. This is how yeah. you do it. Like you have uh-huh. to. Uh, uh, Anthony Inarino, um, who has, um, you know, master Yoda sales trainer, which yeah. I think a lot of a lot of your audience is probably familiar with. Yeah. You know, he talks about being a trusted advisor a lot, and he said you need two things. You need to bring advice. Right. So you have to have like some sort of you have to have like wisdom or insight about your customers or prospects, business or home or property or risks. So you have to bring that kind of advice. And with that advice, you will get trust. Yep. That's how you become a trusted advisor. It's not rocket science. So you just have to step up your game and the bar is very low. All right. So, okay, here's one of the things that kills me. Uh, Maybe you can help me on this and help the audience to understand. Okay, so. The common phrases that people use or the common terminology people use to say that they are, you know, why you should come to my agency, for example, and I want to hear if you have, you know, one of these, we can go back and forth on this, but I hear people say, you know, um, like the, their value add or their value pitches, we uh, are wonderful at customer service. <laughs> that one right there, if you're using that as your value pitch, find something else because everybody says customer service what's another one you've heard uh oh that well that's a common one um there's one here in florida that still on the radio that does talk about how we can get you the best price yeah price you know and 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 it's and it's shocking you know it's like they're uh they're marketing their advertising agencies doing a horrible job because that can't possibly work or maybe it does work and they're getting a ton of leads off of this i don't know um, so, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's the, the phony, um, our, our clients, um, are, are something to the effect of our clients are our friends or yeah. they're our fam, they're our family kind of thing. It's like, that's kind of icky. 
Yeah, it's very icky. The other one you brought up earlier, and I, you stole my thunder on this one, but I think I hear a lot of people say, uh, we've got every market under the sun, or we've got over 100 markets. And you look behind them, and there's plaques all yeah. over the wall. No one cares. No one cares. Because, no one again, cares. at the end of the day, you can't feed all those markets. So you're not going to keep them anyway. And they don't know who those are. I bet 90% of your clients out there probably have no clue who – Auto owners is, or they don't know who state state farm is, I, or state auto. They don't know don't. who travelers. Yeah, like I they, you've got these markets, and they, they don't know their names. So if you just talk about from a standpoint of value instead of customer service or lowest price or every market under the sun or our clients are our friends, yeah, you're gonna yeah. do a whole I, lot better. I, yeah, uh, completely. I, I was I was actually listening to a. Uh, uh, Anthony Inarino podcast interview this morning. Someone was interviewing him for one of his books and he talked about like how in his sales training, they, he will go through your slide deck and he will say, you must remove every possible mention of yourself or your company or how long you've been in business. Nobody cares. And I get it. Like you want to establish some sort of credibility and his methodology for this, I think, is just spot on. Is you come in bazookas blazing on now his his is mostly B two B focused, so this will be commercial. But I can see a um, a personal lines angle to this. But on a B two B, it's like you come in guns blazing and you tell yeah. those execs on the other side, this is what's going on in your business. This is what's going on in your industry. Here's we see a cross section of the businesses that and we know like what's happening to supply chains. Think of the pain points that your customer is thinking about with inflation. What's this Israeli conflict going to happen to oil prices? How is that going to affect, you know, my supply chain? How is that going to affect my my commercial auto, right? And the fleet and the expense of that. When I heard that, he was he wasn't even gearing that towards an insurance conversation. I immediately went there and I said, Yeah, ooh, that is so much more valuable than the typical commercial sales pitch on we've been in business for 50 years and you know, look That's at all the other of our one. That's another good one. Yeah. We've been in business for 50 years. Who cares? Yeah. Like I don't I think mean, people care. It's, it, it, it's, 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 it's it's admirable. I get that. It's but admirable. That's your, and, if and that's your it, value it, add only, you got problems. No, no, that can't be the value add. That can that's the supporting. Sure. That's the that's the hey, we create this value, and the in the reason we can create this value is because we've been in business for fifty years, and we've been in we've done we own the um, you know um, upstream energy drilling niche and we we've been doing it for 50 years we know the ins and outs we know the supply chain we know the economics around it we we generate reports from economists from golden goldman sachs that are telling us what's going to happen we got our finger on the pulse of what this israeli conflict is going to do to the saudi like holy crap like that that's somebody i want to work with those are not even close to similar conversation. One is you've shown up and you've created value. Yeah, you created value. You created value for that person. They did not waste an hour um, of their time meeting with you. And the other one is like, is the same sales pitch everyone else is giving. And they can't figure out you from Joe Schmo uh, in terms of the value that you create. It's, it's, it's night and day dynamic around that and that's that is very much Heath like what we were talking about very much where I think the agency system needs to evolve back to because back in the day that was part of my my presentation at the PIA of Florida was like you folks used to do this I showed a picture of knob and tube wiring and I said what is this and there were like four people up front and they're like knob and tube wiring and I'm like well why is that a problem for your customers and they're like fire exposure like, okay, so you already know that yeah. if they have knob and tube wiring, this is going to be problematic for them. Of course, my next slide was the picture of the house burning down and that little girl, that meme where she's smiling. And yeah. I'm like, see, you could tell them you told them so. You can give them advice up front. You know how to do this. You know what a pool without a fence means. Bingo. You know what a trampoline means. Like, you already, you're already doing this. You just have to step up your game. Agreed. Low-hanging fruit. I love that. Um, and I think, you know, that may be the title of this episode. But anyway, um, 
I, I, I love this conversation. I could have this conversation a million times. So we'll have to have you back on again. Cause I know uh, our buddy, uh, Brett, who's a regular on this show is, was dying to get in this conversation. Wanted to bring him on with us again sometime and geek out again or nerd out. My bad. We'll nerd out on some stuff here, but, um, yeah, we're, guys, we're nerds. We're not geeks. Right. Nerd out. So, you know, guys, if you want to learn more about insurance nerds, if you want to learn more about how to become a trusted advisor, first of all, I would say, give this guy a follow on LinkedIn, Nick Lamparelli on LinkedIn, um, or on social channels, or you can reach out to him. Do you have an email address you could share with the audience of where they could find you if they want to connect? Completely. First name, Nick at INS nerds. So we took insurance, shrunk it down to INS, Nick at INS nerds.com. So I easy. am on LinkedIn. I am on Twitter, uh, Facebook. I'm not, I'm not as insurance nerdy. Yeah. Uh, it's not as well appreciated on Facebook, but it is appreciated on LinkedIn yeah. and Twitter. So find him there. Is there a website for insurance nerds? Insnerds.com. Okay. And then, you know, find him wherever you can there, connect with him there. And if you've got an idea for a book or for a podcast or a side hustle or a something, reach out to this guy here. Or if you just want to have a fantastic conversation just about insurance in general, reach out to Nick Lamparelli, set up some time to visit with him. I'm sure you can get some time on his calendar. Uh, I've just recently come in contact with him and, you know, I've already learned so much. Nick, I appreciate you coming to hang out with us, being a part of this show and my audience, uh, I hope I'm going to say it live on the air. So it has to come true. I hope you'll see a bigger partnership between insurance town and insurance nerds. We're going to make it happen. Drink beer and sell insurance. Everybody. That's right. Coterie insurance. Oh my God. I, I had a great time nerding out with my main man, Nick Lamparelli. I hope you guys did too. Thank you for joining us today on the program. And uh, if you've got an idea for your own podcast, again, check out Insurance Nerds, uh, I-N-S, N-E-R-D-S dot com, and uh, see if they've got uh, some ideas for you. See if it's a possibility for you to have a insurance podcast or a podcast in your neighborhood or for your niche or just in general. Uh, these guys uh, want to help you. And if you've got an idea for a book, uh, or maybe you, you know, you've got an idea for a book for your niche, check that out too. I've known some people that have done that and been very successful with that too. And guys, that's not a paid advertisement, it's just me talking about my main man, Nick. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Uh, if you have any more ideas for guests or for show topics, email me at heath at insurancetownpodcast.com or hit me in my socials or Text me, 501-908-2395. That's my personal cell. Just don't call me breathing late at night. I'm breathing heavy late at night. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you again so much. We are coming up fast on 200 episodes, and I've got some surprises and excitement there for you. All right. I think I'm done. Again, thank you so much. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.